Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So, conservation groups filed a lawsuit last week to stop exploratory drilling for lithium in an area super close to Ash Meadows. That's the storied National Wildlife Refuge just outside of Vegas. This popular oasis in the desert is also home to the highest concentration of endemic species found anywhere in the United States. So today on CityCast Las Vegas, we talk with Review Journal reporter Colton Lockhead. He's been on the ground reporting about the deep tension between our city's urgent need for green energy and the toll that takes on nature. And Colton says this debate over Ash Meadows, well, it could be the canary in the lithium mine of a much, much larger environmental debate in our country. It's Wednesday, July 12th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Review Journal environmental reporter Colton Lockhead. Welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to have you on, especially with uh, stuff that's moving fast and furious. And under that category, there's a company called Rover Metals. Uh, I guess they're out of Canada, and they seem to be racing to mine for lithium right here in southern Nevada. W- what's going on there, Colton? So, it's a, like you mentioned, it's a Canadian mining operation. It's a, considered a junior uh, mining outfit, meaning they mostly do the exploration side of things. They're the ones out here effectively literally drilling for drilling into the clay out, out in Nye County, looking for lithium, you know, kind of this modern day gold rush. And that area, according to Rover, it's got some of the highest lithium counts that they've seen in the state. Huh. Is that why Nevada is such a focal point of this lithium mining controversy? Are we literally the best state in the United States to do this? I think there's a few reasons. Historically, we are looked at as basically the most friendly state for mining. Yes, we are, Colton. Yes, we are. It's in our constitution to be friendly. Exactly. And on top of that, just the way that the geology of the state is, you know, uh, lithium is oftentimes found at these dry ancient lake beds. And a lot of Nevada uh, used to be underground or underwater, I should say. And so Nevada also, you couple that with the, the amount of undeveloped land in Nevada. So it's kind of perfect from the mining company's perspective to just come in and start looking for it. Yeah. Nevada, uh, mining's grocery store. I appreciate that. And now we do know that the Armagosa Conservancy and the Center for Biological Diversity are suing the government to what, stop the drilling or slow down the drilling? What's going on on the other side of that equation? Right. And so last Friday, the Amargosa Conservancy and the Center for Biological Diversity filed a lawsuit against the Bureau of Land Bureau of Land Management, Department of Interior. And they are trying to do exactly that. They are trying to stop the drilling at this point, uh, arguing that the Bureau of Land Management has to do environmental studies on that drilling to make sure that it's not going to impact the 
you know, dozens of endemic species that are out there in uh, ash meadows, which this drilling project abuts right up against the northern edge of the refuge. Now, a lot of people in Las Vegas may be familiar with ash meadows. I guess it's only about, uh, well, a 90 minute drive if you're following the speed limit north of here. Uh, right. what, what's so special about ash meadows that environmentalists might be concerned about what's happening around there as it relates to mining? It is, it's one of the uh, biggest oases in the Mojave Desert, and it's a, a kind of a true gem in the desert. Uh, it's just a series of these dozens of ancient springs and pools out there in the middle of the desert. You know, driving along the kind of classic Nevada desert, you make a turn, and all of a sudden you're staring at a gigantic pool of water. Most scientists do believe that that water is, you know, somewhere between eight and ten thousand years old, if not older, uh, just because of the how the water seeps wow. off of effectively like the backside of Mount Charleston and how the thousands of years it takes to kind of get into the underground aquifers and then eventually make its way back out of there. So it is seen as this kind of geologic gem. It's home to 25 species that we know of that exist nowhere else in the world. 12 of yeah. them are on the threatened or either threatened or endangered on the, under the Endangered Species Act. Um, and they are very specialized to these pools. Some of them like the Devil's Hole Pupfish found in a single pool, so you know, considered if one of, if not the rarest fish in the world, found in a single pool within the refuge's boundaries. Yeah, and I've been out to Ash Meadows before. It really is stunning in, in much of the way that you described it. And I remember, especially with those devil pup fish, uh, they were in the news not terribly long ago when some, and I'm just going to use the word idiots, uh, decided to jump in that water and potentially contaminate it. And people freaked out. Do you remember that incident? I do. I remember that. I, I, if I remember, there was some inebriation involved in that as well. <laughs> yeah, they actually had left some beer cans in that, you know, sacred pool over there. So I, I understand I, I, why people would be potentially concerned that there would be digging out there. Some of the locals, uh, there was a, a Nye County Commission meeting on last, last week, and that was a big concern for a lot of residents out there. Residents of Crump, residents of Crystal, which is probably the closest uh, town. They're all on well water out there. They are concerned that some of the drilling and some of the, you know, if, and if eventually this does become a claystone mine out there, but the acid that we'd use to basically extract the lithium from the clay could eventually make its way down to the groundwater table there that they are directly pulling their water from. So there's concerns for that. That's, you know, then that there is the additional concern that that water could be, the water that goes into the springs could be contaminated. But the big concern for folks like the two groups that sued, Amargosa Conservancy and Centers for Biological Diversity, their big concern is that, that what could happen if they basically bore a hole into what's called a carbonate aquifer, um, this harder kind of rock formation where the water kind of high-pressured water kind of flows through. And those are what feeds the springs. That's what is coming. That's where mm. this ancient groundwater is coming from. Um, and they're concerned that if they basically drill a little too far, a little too deep, that they could create what's called basically this unintentional permanent flow of water outside of the refuge and effectively, in their, in their argument, drain the springs entirely. And oh. they've made the argument that there is some precedent. Um, there's a, a, a hot spring out near Tacopa uh, in California, just on the other side of uh, kind of the other side of the valley. But back in the 60s, there was a, a drilling operation. They hit the water table. And created a flow that was never able to be uh, never able to be capped, no matter how much concrete they poured down there. And now it basically exists as just a standalone uh, spring. It wasn't long after that the uh, the Tacoma pupfish went extinct. Oh wow! Has Rover Metals responded to these specific concerns yet? 
they said, uh, I, I spoke to the CEO of Rover last week, and he told me that they've had multiple discussions with the BLM. They've made sure that they are outside of the boundaries, and they maintain that they believe that they their drilling will not hit any of the, the major springs or any of the water that feeds into it, even though in their drilling notice, they do acknowledge that they expect all of their 30 boreholes to impact, to hit the groundwater table. Uh, and then they say that they'll be able to plug those up, though. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas' most talked-about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden-up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. I guess on the other side of it, Colton, I want to talk about lithium and, you know, what's the deal with lithium? Why do we need it so badly? Right. So lithium is kind of the core, is at the core of this uh, kind of green energy decarbonizing the economy. Uh, you know, it's just, they've found in the last couple of decades to be the best for kind of charging to weight so it can store the most energy in the lightest amount of weight, uh, which makes it perfect for things like not only your cell phones, but also electric vehicles. Uh, something to replace our combustion engines and try to reduce the amount of, or eventually at one point, eliminate the carbon uh, carbon dioxide that we're putting out there, and try to clean up our you know our air and our ozone. I mean, if you look at Las Vegas, we do have you know we have an ozone warning this summer, partly because of vehicle pollution. You know, I think the pro lithium mining people describe themselves as environmentalists. They're saying, you know, we do need lithium to reduce our reliance on fossil fuels. This is part of the greening of of America, et cetera. So, is lithium mining part of the problem, or is it part of the solution, or both? <laughs> That's one of the biggest uh, questions right now, uh, depending on who you ask. And right now, it really has kind of split the environmentalists because they both do talk about in you know, both groups. You have the conservationists is kind of how I've been describing them in my writing, the people that are looking to do everything they can to protect the, the natural spaces. Uh, and they're not opposed to lithium mining. They just want it done in reasonable areas with reasonable regulations and reasonable reviews. But then you also have the, the push for lithium because, as you mentioned, um, the, the warning here in Las Vegas over the July 4th weekend, we had, I believe, it was the two warmest days globally on record back to back. There's a giant problem just staring us in the face at this point with our vehicle culture where we have these gas these gas engines that we know are one of the biggest producers of, of, of greenhouse gases. And lithium is a way, is a known way, kind of a known vehicle, effectively, pardon the pun, to yeah. get us all off of that. And now, especially with you have the Biden administration and the Trump administration before that, 
kind of ramping up the kind of the permitting of those projects, understanding that those are needed for that decarbonized transition, it, it does make sense as to why there are so many mining companies kind of like pouring into Nevada looking for lithium, I think. Last estimate I saw, there was, you know, 18,000 or so or more claims for lithium in the state, you know, basically you know, the classic. In, in our state? In Nevada. Somebody going out, putting a stake in the ground, saying they are looking for half pound lithium. I mean, that's got some serious gold rush vibes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. It's uh, and You said 18,000, Colton. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to make sure I got that number right. 18,000 claims. Does that, is that high? <laughs> it, <laughs> it sounds high. high. <laughs> it, it, it certainly seems high to me when you think about it. Like, so this is like Rover Metals, is, uh, their claim is that the mining claim area that they have is about 6,000 acres, which sounds big. But when you look at the size of Nevada, yeah, literally just a dot on the map. Uh, so when you kind of do the math there, you could kind of figure that out. The other mine claims could be small. A lot of them could be like you and I it could be you or I going out there, stacking up some rocks and saying, this is my mining claim, um, yeah. because that's still how you stake a mining claim in the state. I, I love that. And you're invited, Colton. We could go on that road trip. I'll bring the rocks. <laughs> you bring the map. We'll split these on a compass and we'll go hit it. I'm in. So Colton, it, it sounds like this is really at the heart of this this weird tension, not just amongst environmentalists and not just between environmentalists and mining interests, but just really the whole conversation of you know climate change, of what do we have to lose to get to a place where we're not as reliant on fossil fuels, and who who figures this out? Who's there to hold any of these folks accountable to doing the right thing for? our world? <laughs> That's a you big know, question, Colton, to answer it. <laughs> and it's a question that I don't think a lot of people even know the answer to. Um, uh, the director, executive director of the Amargosa Conservancy told me, put it in pretty good terms, that they believe that this is effectively a flashpoint. If you're willing to mine there, where are you not willing to mine? Wow. And where are you not willing to make those, to, to make those considerations about environmental impact? And this will be an interesting kind of case study for that. And so, who makes those decisions uh, at this point? You know, if it were to go to a full mining process, there would be an environmental review. So that would fall onto the folks at the Bureau of Land Management, Department of Interior. I don't think there's a lot of state level oversight on this stuff because of where it's located on federal land. But then there is also the issue of how much control do the locals have? This is a question that has come up now in Nye County is, can Nye County do anything to stop this? If they were to right. you know, pass a moratorium on lithium operations, which is something that is now being discussed, Will it have any effect? Because it's not, you know, it's this is federal land. This is not necessarily Nye County land. Yeah. I'm intrigued by all this, especially with Nye County. I, I can't help but think about their stance on Yucca Mountain and how they were bucking our federal delegation and I think the majority of Nevadans uh, with regard to, you know, the the, the disposal of, of nuclear waste out there. Is it surprise you that Nye would potentially take a position against mining in this way? I think water makes uh, things a little bit different. Energy storage or nuclear waste storage, I think a lot of people don't. Uh, they can kind of put that away it's like in their brain. They can kind of like sort that out, that it's going to be far enough away. When you start talking about taking, potentially tapping into uh, a rural place's water source, you know, I think there's been talks there about some of the pushback on the solar operations as well out there. Um, 
you know, it, it is becoming almost more of a kind of a classic libertarian stance of we just don't want the federal government involved out here. Right. All. There's always that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't want you telling us what to do one way or the other. It's almost like, you know, a little petulant as far as how they take care of their own county, which is really interesting. Well, before I let you go, Colton, I'm just wondering, you know, this is a big concern to a lot of folks, especially as Las Vegas specifically is, I think, turning a lot more mindful of how we use our resources, whether it is water, which we talk a lot about, or electricity. Are you an electric car driver or a hybrid car user? Not yet. We've held on to our vehicles for a while. We're kind of considering what is going to be, uh, what's our next vehicle option when we start getting rid of some of our kind of our old clunkers. Well, as a reporter who who kind of digs into this stuff so deep and, you know, being a Las Vegas resident a long time, are you inspired to do that? Or do you think that it maybe isn't all that it's cracked up to be going electric or hybrid? You know, the more the more and more research I do, uh, the stuff that I have seen, and I, I don't consider myself, you know, a scientist in this or an expert in this necessarily, when you really start thinking about like the overall carbon footprint of of your purchases, including electric vehicle, they're not entirely green themselves the way that they are manufactured. So there is still some carbon footprint associated with them. Um, and so from the research that I've done, just my personal research onto this, me and my wife, this is something this actually is pretty much coffee discussion almost every morning, it seems like, is at what point does that balance shift of when the production and the overall carbon footprint of, a, of an electric vehicle is going to outweigh uh, or going to basically eliminate uh, or at least make that balance shift more towards the electric vehicle. That's one of the things that is kind of lost in the discussion oftentimes. It's, we, we deal with so many absolutes uh, that we need. We have to go to lithium immediately. Uh, we have to go to, car, to kind of green energy. And there's certainly a need to make that transition fast. And there's, there's no, I don't think there's any doubt in, at this point that that needs to happen. But it's a matter of, you know, how do we do this in a more sustainable way? And how do we do it without, you know, the other thing to think about, how do we do that without overtaxing the grid? You know, so if you start putting more and more vehicles onto the power grid that need to charge every night, so everybody gets home at night, first thing they do is probably going to plug their car in, right, when it's the hottest time of the day. How right. much does that tax the grid? Here in Nevada, a lot of that's still natural gas, still some coal-fired power plants up there. So if you can get to the point where there's like an electric vehicle that has is recharging off of solar panels that are embedded in the, you know, in the framework of the car or something like Boom. that. Boom. Then let's get yeah, to the patent office quick. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have this uh, unlimited supply of energy effectively that is, you know, you're not really taxing the grid. You're self-sustaining, assuming you live in a place where you can get enough UV, uh, enough, so, um, enough sunlight. You know, to, if we get to the point like that, then I think more and more people would be on board. But um, there's also the considerations of, you know, longer term trips here in Nevada. You know, I spend a lot of time in the north, uh, in the northern part of the state. I have family that lives all across the state and rurals, spent some time living in Reno, covering the state government up there. We still make our ways back up there. And, you know, the range of electric vehicles right now still doesn't really get you too far in the state for the most part, especially if you get up into the, you know, get up into the mountains at all. Yeah. And, and I love traveling the state as well. I don't see a lot of electric vehicles or even hybrids up in the rurals. It just doesn't seem to be a thing. And I'm wondering if, you know, these rural parts of Nevada are in some ways paying the price for cities like Las Vegas, trying to clean up our polluting car culture as we you know, shift to electric, as we prioritize the sort of lithium needs that are at the heart of this lawsuit. And that's a big part of it. The concerns and the 
issues that happen out there are oftentimes overlooked by people that live in the larger, you know, metro areas. It's, it's easy to kind of forget about them because they never see them. You know, we never are probably never going to see a lithium mine, you know, probably in the city limits here. So we're not going to have to see the, the impact of that. If somebody were to tell you that we're going to put a giant lithium pit, you know, or lithium mine out, you know, just outside of Red Rock, I, I wonder what that equation would look like. Yeah, not great. Not great at all. Colton Lockhead, thank you so much for joining us today on CityCast Las Vegas. Great issue. And uh, we look forward to having you back sometime soon. Definitely. Look forward to it. And now before you go, a little bit of news. Rocker Jack White, one half of the White Stripes, is casting epic shade at Vegas-connected celebs Mark Wahlberg and Guy Fieri. He called them out for hobnobbing with, quote, fascist, racist, former president Donald Trump during a UFC event that happened in Las Vegas this past weekend. No word on what any of them talked about, but most certainly Wahlberg left by telling everyone to say hi to their mother for him. Also, Las Vegas has produced some remarkable homegrown athletes for decades, from Andre Agassi, Greg Anthony, and Greg Maddox, to Bryce Harper and Inby Park. But now we are seeing an ongoing talent drain. This time, it's four highly rated basketball prospects who are leaving Bishop Gorman for schools in Florida and Utah. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, why not leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform? And also, don't forget to join the hordes of other Las Vegans already subscribing to our free morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care.